Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, thanks for joining us for an episode of Do Business Better that you're never going to forget. I got Michael Finley on here. He's with a company that you're also never going to forget. It's called The Crazy Man in the Pink Wig. We're talking about money. We're talking about financials. Don't roll your eyes. Don't carry on about, oh, this is so boring. Listen, you're in business. You want to be in business. You're an entrepreneur. You're in the gig economy. You're self-employed. You have hundreds of employees. Whatever the gist of your life and your evolution is right now as a business person, let me tell you one thing. Most people suck at money. I just don't really want to concentrate all that. I'm a creative. I've had to hear this for 30 years of me running my own business. Every time I sit down with somebody, Michael Finley, they say, hey, I want to talk to you about my idea because, you know, you've been on your own for 30 years. I said, sure, sure, sure. Well, let me tell you about my idea. And after they talk about their idea, I always say, great. Tell me about your financial position right now. Can you go six months without earning any money? Yeah, but did you hear about my idea? I'm like, Let's talk about the financials, because the point is most people suck at money, even business people. A lot of people are really good at cranking out widgets, really good at being HVAC service uh, employees, uh, uh, companies uh, with multiple employees, but they suck at money. Why do all this work? I always looked at it this way. If you're going to do the hard work of earning the money, let's do the easier work of then managing the money. So that's why you're here. Michael Finley, talk to me. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. But by, the At the way, end of the day, by, by the way, I should also clarify, I was introduced to you by a guy named Chris Barron, who I think uh, very well of, and he's read my business book, Do Business Better, like three times. So he says, hey, this got to be perfect for that. So that's how we came together. And I listened to the episode with him and you were talking about setting up your kids. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about setting up you, setting up me. So talk to me about your background. And I saw you were a military guy. And you said, you know what? I was never really financially tuned in until all of a sudden it dawned on me, I'm in debt. I've got good money. I got nothing to show for it. Yep. Read my first book, found out that I was doing everything wrong. And so I had a decision to make right there. Was I going to do something about it? Was I just going to sit and have a pity party? And so I did something. I started educating myself and started changing the course of my life. And then I really started to understand the fact was most people do not handle money well. Most people live paycheck to paycheck, just barely getting by. And that causes a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. And at the end of the day, I decided I didn't want any part of that. And so basically I said early on in my life that I wanted financial freedom. And that's what all this is about. Having the freedom to live life on your own terms. And so for many business owners, I don't blame you. You you want to put money into your business. You want to grow your business. You want to do things with your business. But it's key to be putting money aside into retirement accounts. Could be a 401k, could be a SEP IRA, could be a simple IRA, could be a Roth IRA. But putting those accounts, that money away is going to help you reach financial freedom. So you get to do more with your business that you want. Or... If you want to escape the current business you're in so you can enter a new business in the future, this will also help you. So I, uh, I have, I read your, your, uh, you've got a lot of verbiage on your, on your website. So I won't pretend that I read it all. I read it all enough to know a little bit about you. And I'm like, yep, I can relate to this story. 
uh, blue collar kid, dairy farm kid, didn't come from much. And then I started making uh, money, you know, and my comedy. But before that, way before that, I decided to become financially uh, you know, oriented. And I'm not talking about derivatives, Wall Street stuff, MBA from Harvard kind of stuff. I'm talking about the simple stuff, because really the fundamentals will get you a long, long way. Earn less, uh, spend more than you earn <laughs> and put your stuff into an investment vehicle. And really, once you start securing that, but I think it's really interesting that you keep bringing it back to the thing about you want to run your business and also have the life you're choosing. These people that are blowing their money, they're probably convincing themselves, well, you know what? I don't have anything to say, but I'm just having a good time. And it's like, I don't know. I think you're probably also stressed. Like, like you said, I think you're also a little bit like always um, anxious. Uh, it seems to me it would be a difficult thing to not have any hay in the barn uh, by a certain age in one's life. Is that, uh, am, I the only, am, I, am I the oddball out? No, you're not the oddball, but you're saying what a lot of people feel. And so what I would tell the individual is financial freedom. It's worth the effort to get there and getting your investments in order, getting your retirement accounts in order is a place where I call graduation. You get to graduate to the next best phase of your life. So I don't even think about retirement. I don't really care about retirement. I graduated at 45. I'm now about 60 and I get to live life on my terms, whatever that may be. I get to be me versus having to run through this hamster wheel day after day, trying to do something that everybody else wants me to do. At some point in my life, I said, screw that. I wanted to live life on my terms. And so the one piece I'd want to get across to your listeners today, this investment stuff does not have to be complicated. You can invest in low cost stock index funds at places like Vanguard, Fidelity, or Schwab. Keep feeding those accounts feed them as much as you can, go back, work on your business. Don't worry about your investments. I personally spend less than five minutes a year on my portfolio. This is not complicated. This is not time consuming. Yeah, you just put your stuff into index funds. And the idea there is very low uh, management fees, and uh, almost everything you put into it goes to an actual investment. That's good. Now, what about the person that says, hey, listen, I'm out here. Uh, I, I, I'm into your, I dial into your podcast. Uh, I have a service company with an employee or two and uh, and I'm OK, uh, but I don't trust uh, I don't trust having all my money socked into the uh, stock market. Uh, I think it's controlled by Wall Street types. It's, it's got uh, too much Federal Reserve, too many uh, government hands in this thing. What are those people supposed to do? So are you telling me that you have more trust in putting all your money in one company, which happens to be yours, versus the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, VTSAX, which owns over 4,000 individual businesses, 4,000. And that fund, you can look at that as a conglomerate fund. That's a worldwide fund. Many of the largest companies in the world make more than half their revenue overseas. Mm -hmm. So this is about diversification. It's about reducing risk. Mm -hmm. and it's about increasing return over time. Real estate. Do you own any real estate? Uh, in most people's minds, they might think no. But the truth is, I do. I own commercial real estate, REITs. So stock in commercial real estate, it's easy, it's low cost. I'm going to make more money on commercial real estate than the average person is going to make in rental properties with no headaches and minimal cost. 
So my recommendation is to own REITs, specifically the Vanguard Real Estate Index Fund, VGSLX. When you look at doing that, and by the way, there might be somebody that says, hey, I love your stuff. I'm a budding entrepreneur. What is he talking about? What's that mean? A real estate investment trust, uh, dear listener, just means just like a stock mutual fund, uh, they they own they own ownership in stuff. But rather than you saying, now I had to go and buy this dentist office down the street for me, Vanguard does that for you. You just put in and own a percentage, very small percentage as it might be, of a whole bunch of office buildings or commercial warehouses or whatever. Um, you're, you're all about the investing thing. One could argue that right now we, we still are on the precipice of uh, things getting a little bit washed out. We could get a little soft. Interest rates are now like in that 8%, 9%, whatever. Uh, it's going to have a slowdown in the economy. The economy slows down. Companies stop making money. Mutual funds, all, all the stock markets go. Uh, the commercial real estate is going to start getting a little bit more dicey with these interest rates. How do you view that? So one has to understand the market reflects all the information you and I know and a whole lot of information we don't know. So whatever you think you know and you think you're somehow going to react to that with your own personal life or portfolio, well, it's already been reacted to. So the market reflects not only what we know now to include insider trading, cheating, it also is projecting for the future. It's projecting out 6, 12, 18 months. So if we're trying to figure out what the market's going to do today, we're already behind the eight ball. So the focus is get that money in, get it working and allow the market to do its magic because it has done magic. Over the last 50 years, you're looking at it over 10% a year return on your money. Right. Some years are great, some not so great. Don't focus on making money immediately. Focus on saving that money getting it into the stock index funds, keep feeding them, go work on your business. So speaking of working on your business, uh, that's where uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners, self-employed types do spend their time and their, and their money. And you just, uh, you're saying, keep doing that. That's what you're good at. <clears throat> and put your money into broad index type <laughs> investment funds because they'll do the work for you. And also it's not, it's not as though you have to sit around and be a stock picker. This flies in the face of the uh, the budding young uh, desk pilot uh, that's working out of their spare bedroom that wants to be a meme stock investor. What do you think about that? Is that gambling? Yes, that's an ego-driven approach to investing. It has failed miserably over time. So the approach I'm teaching is the same approach that Warren Buffett recommends to the average investor. Stock index funds specifically. Again, play the odds. The way I describe it, you can be the casino or you can be the gambler. You decide. The casino rides with stock index funds. You will win in the end. Can you win as the gambler? Yes. Is the odds with you? Hell no. <clears throat> but the financials, let's go, besides investing, let's talk about financials. Uh, when I I wrote this book that came out four years ago, Do Business Better, and uh, when I was getting down my first draft in a section about money, uh, a friend of mine looked over that chapter and said, you should put some of the graphics in there. I said, what? I said, well, I thought about putting in like a balance sheet or an income statement. And I thought, surely to God, by the time a person's reading uh, my business book, they're going to know what those things are. And I was advised, no, you should put those things in there. Financial illiteracy even among business owners, is quite rampant. This is what you discover? Yes, uh, I'm afraid that is true. And so at the end of the day, there's no better time to start to learn than right now. 
And so part of it is the mindset. It's the belief that I can do this. I can take control of my, my business, my life as I take control of my money. So the money is the foundation that you can build a better life on. And if the individual just kind of accepts that and says, okay, I'm going to go down this path, you just want to make sure you're learning from the right people and doing the right things. And it's amazing how quickly you can change your whole financial picture. When you started uh, learning about financial stuff because you felt like, all right, why am I here? I'm doing this work, but I don't really have anything to show for, but I got a new car and I also have a car payment. I mean, you go through all this sort of thing. Uh, Most people don't go and pick up a book. Why don't they? Well, some of them say things like, well, I'm not a reader. Well, you can become a reader. I became a reader. I wasn't a reader either. Uh, at the time, of course, there was no YouTube. There was no internet. This was back in 1989. But what I would tell you is I have learned from some amazing people, people that I've never met, and they were in books. And yes, you can find them on podcasts, in blogs, in many places today. Yeah. But you can keep learning. We have this crazy thought for some people, they stop learning as soon as they get some diploma. No, that's that's the beginning. Yeah. What you're going to do with your life is going to come down to how much you learn outside the classroom. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I've, I'm have I've a tremendous amount more advanced than I was when I stepped out of high school. And, and, and after I got my degree from Purdue, I've learned at least volumes more than I ever learned in those two. Financial habits. Let's talk about financial habits. Uh, what do you do besides investing in mutual funds? Uh, they're index funds. Uh, and besides that, what do you do? What do you do that you think uh, makes it so you sleep better at night than your neighbors that are stressed about money? So I track my spending. I know where my money's going. So that's easy. I, I want to know where it's going. So then I can budget for that money. And so I know how much I need every month to pay my bills. That gives me peace of mind. And then I pay those bills and I live below my means. It's not that hard. I save at least 20% of my paycheck month after month. Whether I am 20 years old or 50 years old, I'm saving at least 20% of my paycheck, living below my means. And over time, as you save that money and invest it wisely, you see the compounding effect. And so the reason I retired at 45, my money was making more money than I was. I didn't need a job. Now, -hmm. you may choose to work, but you'd like to get to a place where you don't have to work. You have have retirement as well as non-retirement investments. So one of the other ones, because you're a little young to be pulling out of all your retirement money. So is it uh, one of those deals where you've got part of your money that's churned along as protected for retirement and part of it that's not? Yeah. So you've got a brokerage, non-retirement brokerage. You can put as much money in there as you want, pull that money out whenever you want, no penalties. You just pay taxes. And if you're doing it right, you're going to pay long-term capital gains. And if you do that right in the 12% bracket, you'll pay 0% long-term capital gains. So this is about being tax-wise. That's one reason you're putting money in retirement accounts to reduce your taxes either now with traditional accounts or later in Roth accounts. Mm-hmm. And so you can put money into Roth IRAs, for example, pull money out, the, the contributions, no penalties, no taxes before 59 and a half. You can pull money out of an HSA for medical expenses you had years ago, mm-hmm. penalty-free, tax-free at any age. So there are many multiple accounts 
that you can access prior to 59 and a half to avoid penalties. You can even access a traditional IRA, a substantial equal periodic payment plan. You could start pulling money out of there at age 50, for example. So there are many approaches. It's just a matter of getting educated on how to do it. So the the old thing used to be, uh, and, and I talked about it in my book here, that uh, I, I decided that if I was going to be working this, you know, from age eight, uh, I was going to also make sure I was uh, uh, being financially literate. You know, the first, there used to be the first recommendation is pay off your credit cards. And it seems like this is very rudimentary for you or me, but it apparently is not rudimentary for the average American, even the average American that's got their own business. That article I read is that credit card debt has been climbing uh, here for the last six to 12 months because we had all this infusion of cash, the COVID time, and then all of a sudden people blew through all that and then kept that same consumption pattern up. So when you say first thing you should do is pay down credit cards because it's like ridiculous interest rates. Then the second thing you should do is start a retirement fund. So, you know, you go through all the the first step, second step, third step, fourth step. And I always think, good God, are we still there? Well, it must be because people uh, apparently in this country are still in crazy amounts of credit card debt. So that is true. Sometimes I, I have a certain expectation of someone's understanding of finance. So credit card debt is utterly ridiculous. You are not going to get ahead in life with credit card debt. So that's a no-brainer. You should not have credit card debt. You should make that full payment every month. And if you can't make that full payment, then you probably shouldn't even have a credit card. <laughs> and at, at the end of the day, yeah. making minimum payments on a credit card is going to send you to the poorhouse. That is yeah. not going to get you ahead. And <laughs> if, if nobody knows that, then they've got a lot of learning to do. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it seems that that's a significant amount of the population that is in that situation. So then, you know, you always say, okay, the next thing you should do after that is make sure that you're, um, once you've got your credit card debt down, you you just set some money aside and uh, you should have uh, three months. I remember years ago, uh, I have a brother that um, is uh, financially illiterate. And uh, I remember saying, this guy made a lot of money. And he said, well, they'll tell you that you're supposed to have three months set aside, but who could ever do that? And I remember being like 20 five years old and thinking, well, hell, even I have five, uh, three months set aside because, uh, and I, and I was barely, you know, uh, budding out here as a, a professional. So then after that, you're supposed to then start implementing into long-term investments, uh, for retirement. And of course, then that one's not being obligated by many. And then you keep going through all these certain things. Where do people, is it just, is it laziness, irresponsibility? So some of that really? is, okay. but I would tell you, it's the mindset. Look at your brother's mindset. Oh, who can do that? Well, you can do that. So it's the mindset that says I can take control of my life as I take control of my money. As opposed so to it, pretending it, it, that somehow it's just impossible. It just it would be impossible to be financially frugal. It'd be, it'd be impossible. It's an absolute, it's an absolute impossibility to ever just actually uh, pay down your bet, your debts. Well, that's right. There are people who make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year who yeah. live paycheck to paycheck. So it's not how much money you make; it's how much you end up keeping from what you make. Americans have gotten this crazy idea that if I make enough money, then I'm going to be good. Well, no. There are people who make a lot of money sitting in bankruptcy court. I have shared that, Michael, multiple times, including in my book where I have a section about money. I took a personal finance class at Purdue University 33 years ago. And uh, I remember specifically 
the example, now you're going back three decades plus ago, that said there was a, a poll and they done this survey and, and had done the survey to find that everyone said essentially, what would it take between, what would you need to be more well off? $5,000. Everybody needed $5,000. And it was interesting. Those that earned $25,000 a year said, you know what? If I just made five grand more, then I can put more into savings and I wouldn't be in credit card debt. It's just, I need five grand more. And they went to people that made 500,000 and they said, well, you know, about 500, it was five, everybody was five grand away from solvency, which means they spend up to the very edge and think if they just had five grand more, they'd be responsible with that five grand. The rest of the stuff, ah, shit, can't be responsible with that. But if I got a new five grand, I'd be responsible. And I, I've never forgotten that lesson because it is dead on about how humans are. Right. And at the end of the day, it's it's really up to us what's going on in that headspace of ours and, and how you decide to look at the situation. Are you a victim to the situation or are you control of the situation? It's the individual who takes control, who takes responsibility, who says, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna pay myself first. I'm gonna prioritize my investments, my financial freedom over spending money. So again, for a lot of people they get caught up in spending, staying up with the Joneses, trying to have the latest, greatest, whatever. Well, again, that's gonna take you down the wrong path. Having everything that you want is not going to prepare you for a better future financially. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fact. So um, to the, the small biz, biz, self-employed person that's listening to this podcast, we already kind of covered some of the things. You went big on the investing thing. What about uh, any other financial lessons that you think are pretty easily passed on that some folks probably like, ah, boy, I didn't think of that. So one of the easiest lessons that have been passed on for centuries is pay yourself first. So when you get paid, pay yourself before you pay your creditors. Pay yourself early out of into a 401k or a Roth IRA or wherever. Keep your savings at a place like Vanguard in a brokerage account earning 4.75. Mm-hmm. Don't keep savings in a bank earning mm-hmm. half a percent where the bank's making money by lending your money out and you make squat, Mm -hmm. make money for yourself. Let your money make money for you rather than someone else. So it's all about thinking differently and being efficient with all the money that comes in and out of your life. Right now we're in a really difficult situation. We're recording this, dear listener, when you're listening to it, but recording it in April, 2023, uh, I can get four to four and a half percent on my money, as you said, sticking it not in the bank, but somewhere else, either a CD or even in a brokerage that'll give you four to five percent. I'm still losing on that money because we're at eight percent inflation, even though the Fed's trying to say we're not at that. uh, Go tell the egg prices that we're not at uh, high inflation. Go tell the beef prices. Go tell the gasoline prices. Go tell uh, my insurances. Uh, Everything across the board has gone up 25 percent. So your money is losing at 4% return. That's correct. And that's why you keep just what you need in cash for short-term reserves, that three to six months of expenses. Mm -hmm. The rest of it is in stock index funds that have historically returned 7% beyond the inflation rate, Mm -hmm. 7% beyond. So stocks have been by far the best inflation hedge with your money over time. Mm -hmm. That's why you get money into stocks 
It's why you do it at a low cost with index funds. It's why you own those broad-based index funds like VTSAX. Uh, by the way, you're you're a Midwestern guy, and I am too. You haven't talked about the other thing. Uh, you know, I like owning real estate, and you said you like to own your real estate through REITs. Uh, but you're you're not much for owning real estate outright. I'm not much for the headaches. So I want my investments to be simple and low cost and lacking in any headaches. And that's what my investments are. When I say I spend less than five minutes a year, I mean that. I'm living my life. I'm helping other people with their finances. I'm not worrying about my you know, rental property where somebody decided to damage it or not pay their rent yeah. or do all kinds of things that may cause me headaches that I really don't want. And and as you said, a lot of people that are listening to this, if you get your business to run, go run your business. Don't uh, don't don't uh, pretend that you're going to be a stock picker. But um, there are obviously a lot of real estate options also, and I think there's. I personally believe that some real estate is going to get a little bit uh, cheaper here in the in light of these interest rates. Um, last thought, get me out of here. Um, money investing, small biz. Last thought, the individual can do it. You know, as much as we're talking about the mistakes people make, you can change course at any point in your life when you're ready. And when I say change course, I mean, you can dramatically improve your financial situation by picking up the right education from the right people. You can go to my website, thecrazymaninthepinkwig.com. You can read any one of my four books that I've written. I'm trying to help you get down the right path. And it's possible. I agree. It is possible. And um, I'm right there with you. When I started to, when my comedy business began taking off, I was actually on airplanes and I said, I'm going to use this time. I'm going to invest this time to make myself smarter and make myself a money mind. So uh, I find it interesting. People say, I'm just not a money person. I'm like, it's like saying, I'm just not a person that can uh, fold, you know, pieces of paper. It's not, it's not something that you have to have, you know, you're not going to play in the NBA if you're five foot four and slow, uh, but you can be a money person. It does not require some f- special physical gift, right? That's correct. This is not an IQ test. It's a knowledge test. Gather the right knowledge from the right sources and you can change your life. His name is Michael Finley. He was here on Do Business Better. I appreciate you doing that. Again, if you want to pick up one of his books or learn more about this, and remember, you're doing the hard work. If you're doing the hard work of making the money, now do the smart work. Well, it's just as hard to save it. Do the smart work of saving and investing. Michael Finley, if they want to find you again, it's at thecrazymaninthepinkwig.com. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason. This is the Do Business Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you. Thank you.